black, black roses. Hey, mm. Rapapam, rapapam, pam, pam. Well, it's a blessing to my eyesight. Seeing you for sure in a different light. And I don't wanna fight, fight. But for you, well, I'll be on the front line. Oh, music to my ears, like. When you talk, I wanna walk the whole mile. Food for my soul, right? Searching for your signal with my satellite. Rapapam, rapapam, pam. My heart a beat for this, your girl is beating like a drum. No fun, what I want, one. I want she body, take a body, but she got a man. No, rapapam, rapapam, pam. My heart a beat for this, your girl is beating like a drum. No fun, what I want, one. I want she body, take a body, but she got a man. No. Black, black, Won't you tell me what you need The proof to prove to you That my love is for real, yeah I think that we can make a deal Cause we no loser Get to show you how I feel, ooh. Cause I like your sex appeal Don't tease me with your body Cause the pressure will reveal, yeah This thing, it got me vexed Cause I want your digits Yes, I want you texting me Rapapam, rapapam, pam My heart a beat for this Your girl is beating like a drum No fun, what I want, one I want she body, take a body But she got a man, no Rapapam, rapapam, pam My heart a beat for this Your girl is beating like a drum No fun, what I want, one I want she body, take a body But she got a man, no Black, black, Online at WRSU.org. This is WRSU FM New Brunswick, Rutgers University. When might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything. You guys, I love this song. I love these nachos. I love our kickball league. Oh, I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzzed warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I love your car. Is this real leather? Okay, we'll do a countdown. Three, two, one, and run. That you can count the stars on that flag. You can thank a teacher. That you have that flag is a flag of your country. You can thank a veteran. Please listen to the Veterans Corner Live FM Radio, honoring America's military and the veterans community. Wednesdays, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and heard online at radio.rutgers.edu. At 88.7 FM and online at wrsu.org, this is WRSUFM New Brunswick, Rutgers University.
Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And welcome to the Monday edition of the crew. Myself, Gideon Fox, joined along by our producer, Christian Vasquez, and our other host, Dylan McCoy. Gentlemen, how are we all doing tonight? Pretty good. It's a pretty quiet Monday for myself, you know, just doing work throughout the day, reading some reading some books just for school. Don't like to read otherwise. That's the only way I would ever do it. But yeah, pretty good day for me. Yeah, I got to say, this semester has been beating up on me, you know, like like uh, 2019 Rutgers football. It's been it's been kind of a tough scene, but, you know, I'm getting back into it. I'm getting through it, so we'll see how it goes. Well, 2019 Rutgers football or Saturday's Rutgers football team giving up. Honestly, that defense looked great except for those four plays. I think we all know yeah. what four Jalen <laughs> Naylor, 60-yard receptions turned into touchdowns we're talking about. Exactly. Um. Yeah, I assume you guys all watched that. What did you guys think about that? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, the defense looked pretty good other than those four exact plays that just 95 yards. How often do you just see that? I was like, oh, they got great field position. Of course, I got a great punt as usual and then whole field 95-yard run. But other otherwise, the defense was looking pretty good, and you just get nailer out in the open on a pass but relative I think Rutgers could have really uh, whether the offense played much better in that game it could have been a close game for a while yeah you know it was tough because Rutgers was really like in the beginning they were making it a game you know they were doing the right things on offense they were um, able to do well on defense but when you have a guy break a uh, stadium receiving record by halftime that was held by one of the best receivers in the history of the NFL and Larry Fitzgerald uh it's not good, and you know, I understand that Rutgers is down a starter in the secondary. You know, Max Melton is waiting to see his fate in uh, in court with the whole paintball incident. But ultimately, you know, I, I think that the playing like that is kind of inexcusable. You know, uh, Michigan State does have a good offense. Peyton Thorne is a good quarterback. Jalen Naylor is probably an NFL level wide receiver. But if you're a Rutgers, you know, you have to make adjustments. You know, after the first big play. It can't be three. He can't have 200 yards by halftime. You know, I understand the halftime is the time of the game where you really make the biggest adjustments. But at the same time, you have to be doing something on the defense that that changes that up. And, you know, Greg, Graciano was a defensive coordinator. He's a defense first kind of coach. And, you know, that's something that he's got to adjust in the middle of the game with this Rutgers secondary. We can't have that happen again. No, absolutely. And Dylan, I agree with you that Rutgers started off or they sent they made Michigan State start off with. You know, great field position for the defense. Like we were talking about Adam Corsak's punts. He was pinning them back within the five, within the ten. And he they were giving the defense everything. And even in the second half, after Rutgers made whatever necessary adjustments they made in the locker room, the Rutgers defense was still getting through the offensive line. They were they were pressuring the quarterback, but it was the offense just couldn't keep up. And there was in the second half, I want to say it was in the third quarter, there was there was three sets of offensive drives for either team where the Rutgers defense maybe surrendered altogether like 20 yards but then the offense gained altogether 20 yards and it was just back and forth and to me that was the moment where the game changed where the Rutgers defense just kept trying to do all that they could and they held out for three drives I mean they 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 didn't give an inch of ground to Michigan State but I kept saying it during the game to the people I was watching the game with that the defense is going to break at some point Michigan State is 11 in the country for a reason it's they're going to break at some point and that's why you need the offense to help out and I know Bill Melton wasn't playing Raekwon O'Neal is injured and I know that they're down on defense too, but you need to have something going. You, you, like Noah Vedrill, he, he, to his credit, he stopped throwing complete screen passes, and he there was some other stuff mixed up in the playbook, and he had a couple deep shots. And Aaron Cruikshank looked great too, but I mean, it was just the offense and defense. When one was doing really well, the other one was doing really poor, and that just balanced out. I mean, it completely didn't balance out, and that was, I think, what ruined Rutgers' chances. Is they started off in the first half, the offense looked great. And the defense looked okay. And then in the second half, for the most part, besides for a couple of, young, of long receptions from Naylor, the defense looked great, and the offense just completely sputtered out. 
Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of become a theme with this Rutgers team. Um, you know, the offense kind of not really picking up the pieces for the defense. We saw it against Michigan. Rutgers had three red zone chances in the fourth quarter and were not able to convert. And then really, you know, a play that may not be looked at because of the defensive lapses, but at one point, I believe it was either the third or the second quarter, Noah had Aaron wide open for a 60-yard touchdown and overthrew him. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, I believe it was the second. Yeah. That. I remember that play. I was, I, was, right in, I was right in front of that. I was like, there's no way. Yeah, that was, that. it was towards the student section. Yeah, it was it towards was. the student section. I was right in front of that. Yeah, and I was on the call with that game with WRCU Sports Director Chris Akonis. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good call. We had some struggles, but it was a good call. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think plays like that are why the fan base, and maybe it's not the fan base, maybe it's just me, but, you know, I get frustrated with Noah at times because, I, t- I do you know, it, uh, I believe it was the first or second drive. He did a really good job of, you know, making the defense respect his running, you know, using his legs to get open. That third and 18 conversion to Crookshank was an incredible play, but... At the same, in the same, in the same sense, you know, he has throws where he'll overthrow guys, or if guys are on the sideline, he'll throw it six yards out of bounds. Um, and I, and I think it's tough for the fans too because you know, you have a guy waiting in the wings that everybody wants to see. Mm-hmm. You know, who Spencer Rattler? Uh, I, I was gonna, <laughs> say, I was gonna say backup Cole Schneider, but um, no, I, I'm obviously I'm talking about Gavin Wimsat. Um, I think. We, we all see the potential he has, or maybe we don't see it, but we've heard the potential that he has, and we all are really excited for it. But I would also like people to remember that he committed early. He is a high school senior. Um, and, you know, Rutgers has been through this experiment before. You know, the last time they uh, they, they started a freshman and kind of threw him to the wolves was Art Sikowski. And, mm. you know, Art is he, – he had some flashes of greatness this year at Illinois early when their starter went down, but – you know, his freshman year, he had one of the worst power five seasons in college football history. So I just think people need to be maybe a little bit more cautious, a little bit more realistic. I think I think another thing is that the fans need to be a little bit more realistic. You know, uh, Greg has been here for two years, and the rebuild is definitely ahead of schedule, but we're still a bottom four team in the Big Ten. I mean, that's after being by far the worst team in the Big Ten for a couple of years. Yeah. So it's a big improvement, but at the same time, you know, we played probably three of the best teams in the Big Ten to start off our our, our uh, conference schedule, and it definitely does get easier from here with Northwestern Illinois coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, those are two winnable games, and then after that, um, so those games are on the road, and they come back and they have Wisconsin at home. Depending how they do on the road and the momentum, I think Wisconsin at home is a winnable game. I'd say so. Oh, Wisconsin at home? Wisconsin? Wisconsin's not great this year. Uh, I don't Two know. Two and three. Maybe, in conf- maybe, one maybe two because in maybe because they're just a traditional college football power. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like if Rutgers is gonna look at like if if we're gonna say that the that the that a successful season will be a bowl game, they need to win three more games. Now, if I'm looking at the rest of the schedule and I'm looking to pick out those three games, no game is a gimme in the Big Ten. Let me let me say yeah, that first. But if I'm looking at three games that I think Rutgers can win at the end of the year, I'm looking at Northwestern, I'm looking at Illinois, and I'm looking at Maryland. I think the other games that we have on the schedule would just be a plus. You know, I know a lot of people are saying Indiana, but Indiana is still a very talented team. They've had they've struggled this year, but they're a very talented team. I think Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin at one point was a ranked team, and Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback, but they have a lot of good pieces. Uh, not Jalen Berger anymore. Or Jalen Bergen anymore, but did you guys did you guys hear about that? I did hear about that. It was hard to avoid that on Twitter today. Yeah, I I, I heard about that yesterday. I was very surprised. Uh, you know, unfortunate. It, it's sad to see that he couldn't he couldn't fit into Wisconsin. I hope he finds another program. And I mean, if he's willing to put the work and the time in, I mean, it would be it would be great to see him at Rutgers like we all wanted at once. But ultimately, if we're looking for three games to win, in, in my opinion, I'm thinking Northwestern, Illinois, and Maryland. And anything other than that, any any win total above six games for me is a massive success. I totally... I, th- I think six wins in and of itself is a massive success for the Scarlet Knight team, because that means that's a bowl game. Six and six, realistically, I mean, that could be the pinstripe bowl. There's plenty that it has to offer, and I'm with you, Dylan, when it comes to the three games that should be circled on people's calendars that it comes to games that Rutgers should win. It's not going to be the ranked teams. It's not going to be the powerhouses like Wisconsin. You know, if we could squeak out a win against Wisconsin, great. 
Um, but I think for me personally, I know some other people, I think what's been somewhat frustrating about these last three weeks is we played three ranked teams. We played Michigan on the road in the big house, in a sold-out big house. And it was just like somewhat, you know, it just kind of eats at you is that we only lost by a touchdown to Michigan. Yeah, for sure. We had the lead against Michigan State. We got blown out by Ohio State. Okay, fine. We could write that one off. I mean, Ohio State's, a, you know, an annual college football playoff team. That's fine. But we had the lead against Michigan State. We were so close against Michigan. It's like, when is this going to break? When is one of the Rutgers fans going to get their Big Ten win in front of a full stadium, hopefully at SHI Stadium at some point? Yeah, I think that's what people are waiting for. Uh, it's That's just going to be the day that everyone's looking for. And like you, you guys said, you hit every nail on the head. The Wisconsin's a, there's a no close game, no really, you know, gimme game in the Big Ten. Anyone could come out strong on any day, but. It's going to be a next couple, next two weeks are definitely going to show what this Rutgers team could do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think I think if you're I think if you're Greg and the guys, you know, these are a big two weeks. These are all right, guys. How are we going to respond to two weeks of you know just subpar football? And I know we played we played two great teams. We played possibly we played an Ohio State team that might go undefeated the rest of the season we played a Michigan State team with the best with the best running back in the country by yards and one of the best receiving cores in the country um and you know Rutgers is playing teams more around their level for the rest of the year and they they need to respond well you know if this season is going to be looked at as a success obviously it's still the middle of the rebuild there's still guys there who were recruited by Chris Ash it's not a full Greg Schiano team yet but you know guys are Guys are seeing these blowouts and they're they're already jumping off. You know, we've had a few recruits decommit after Ohio State, after Michigan State. We had, I believe it was a tight end enter the transfer portal today or yeah, yesterday. Yeah, three star tight end. That's right. Um, and you know the, the the way they respond is is going to be huge. Um, for the this program and I, and I also think that the way that the fans respond for for the next home game, which. I believe is in two or three weeks. Going to be a huge six, part of it too. Six in November. Okay, so it's November sixth. It's going to be a cold day. You know, I, I know some people would rather you know maybe stay inside, drink hot chocolate, watch college football. Which I mean, hey, uh, that sounds pretty good to me too. But I, I think I think the fans, you know, Wisconsin and Maryland, they they I think they need to show out. You know, we've had half filled stadiums so far, which for Rutgers is an improvement over what they had, but at the same time, you know, it's not the atmosphere that it could be. Um, the the one part of the the one part of the fan base that I don't worry about at all is the student section. The yeah, students student have been coming been out. Great. Wow, it has been it has been beyond my wildest dreams how packed the student section yeah, has been. It's still and, packed. Even and Michigan State, Michigan State, you know, you have students that will come for a quarter or two and leave. At oh, Michigan yeah. State, they stayed. They were there until. They scored the touchdown to put them up by twenty-one. That was the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was really impressed. You know, I, I think the students are buying in. I think I think Greg is an easy guy to buy into. You know, he's a motivator. He's that's why he's good with college players. He's a motivator. He's a guy you can get up in the morning and run through a brick wall for. You know, oh yeah, play for your family. You know, chop, play for the milk, all that, <laughs> all, all the all the Shiano all the Shianoisms that we that we love. Um, so yeah, I, I'm. I'm still excited for the rest of the season. I still think we can have a successful season, but it really depends on these these next two weeks are vital. If they lose these next two weeks, I don't see them winning more than four games. Oh, absolutely. I think these two games are must wins and I you know, it's not and if, you know, God forbid Rutgers does lose these games, it's not like the rebuild is completely shot and we have to start all over from the beginning and hire a new coach. Not that at all. It's just that this is a benchmark that we have to hit. Beating Northwestern and beating Illinois on the road are that's just a benchmark that this needs to hit. And sure, this rebuild might be a little bit ahead of schedule. We have Gavin Wimsett who dresses for the games now, but we still need to hit benchmarks at some point. We need to win Big Ten games. We could beat Temple by as much as we want, um, but we need to start winning these Big Ten games. And yeah, Dylan, I absolutely agree with you. Shiano's perfect for college. I mean, before all the home games, he comes to the student section and just gets everyone pumped up. He literally will stand right, you know, right in front of the student section, and everyone loves that. Everyone goes crazy for oh, that. Yeah. And that's just something you don't see in the NFL and kind of makes college sports a little bit more special. Um, but another stat that I saw um, later on on Saturday I was really interested about is from our friend Chris Carlin. 
He said that the three Big Ten opponents that Rutgers has played have a combined record of 17 and 1. Our next six opponents are 17 and 17. Mm. Love that. Love that. So things open up a little bit in the second half of the season. No, absolutely. I mean, if you really think about it, the last three weeks, Rutgers has played three of the top 10 teams in the country now, according to the AP Top 25 and the student media poll Top 25. I have to plug that every time I'm on the show. <laughs> but um, no, but I mean, if if you if you went into the beginning of the season and said Rutgers going to start 3-0 and and then they're going to play three of the top 10 teams in the country and lose, how mad could you really be, you know? Yeah. I I think I think after I think after the first three weeks, people maybe got a little bit overzealous of what they thought this team was going to yeah, do. Yeah, that's for sure. And I mean, and I mean, after Michigan, you know, I was buying into the fact that we were going to compete with Ohio State, which maybe I'm dumb for that. I I I've been dumb before. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, you know, just as we've said, I, the the schedule really opens up for them after this. They don't play as of right now. They don't play. Uh, any ranked opponents until they play Penn State, which that game looks like it's a loss. I'm sorry, Penn State looks great this year. Yeah, Penn State looks really. Their one loss. Really their good. one loss is to a possible playoff team, Iowa. Yeah, on the road. I mean, um, that, you could at write Happy that Valley, that's their whiteout game. Hundred thousand people. I, I would love. I would love for Rutgers to be in the game with their rivals, and I would love to brag to all my friends about Penn State about how they had a tough time with Rutgers, but I don't see it. But the schedule really does open up. And you know, I think I think especially after this Northwestern game, Rutgers has kind of a week to to compose themselves. You know, this is a team that hasn't had a bye week in over two years. You know, they didn't have a bye week last year, and we saw what happened to them in their final game against Nebraska. So, I, I, Northwestern in the bye week could be the the turning of this season for the better for the Scarlet Knights. But obviously, we're gonna have to see. No one can predict it before it happens. Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of games left. There's, but the, I mean, the bye week's a great point, and it's, you know, no Big Ten team had a scheduled bye week last year, but Rutgers was the only team. I'm pretty sure the only team to play their entire schedule. Um, you know, other teams either had COVID outbreaks or were about to play teams that had COVID outbreaks, but Rutgers played the most games in the Big Ten last year, and I think that kind of set, because last year, you know, that was Shiano's first; those were his first games back at Rutgers. So I think that kind of set the tone and set the pace for the players and for what they could expect from their coach in a regular season. Um, but looking ahead, so we said it's Northwestern this Saturday, then that bye week, then Illinois on the road, back home for Wisconsin, and then away at Indiana, away at Penn State, and the season wraps up with Maryland at home. And, you know, we talked about those three games that we think Rutgers could win, and I think if Rutgers is able to squeak out a win against Wisconsin or, you know, maybe surprises Indiana on the road, I mean, who knows? I think this team is capable of a lot. I, what I really liked on Sunday, or on Saturday, excuse me, um, is they had, the, we started to see the playbook come out a little bit. We, start, we started to see Sean Gleason's creativity. We saw that a lot last year. I mean, Sean Gleason was just writing up plays, very creative plays um, all over the place. We saw that on special teams. We saw that all over. And I'm kind of waiting for him to, you know, when you play opponents that are stronger than you, that are bigger than you, and are just faster than you, it all it comes down to coaching. It comes down to who's going to outsmart the other team. And last year when we had Sean Gleason just dialing up all sorts of plays on offense, that, that led us to success a bunch of times last year. And I think it, the more we do that this year, especially when we play schools that maybe we're at par with or maybe they're just a little bit better, we think about Wisconsin or Indiana on the road, th- those are the games where you're going to see something special on defense or on special teams too. I mean, remember against the – you know, the craziest touchdown in college football last year that unfortunately wasn't a touchdown. <laughs> stuff like that and stuff, you know, against Ohio State too, we had a, we had a kick return that the ball was being passed back and forth from across the field um, last year when we played at Ohio State. So if Rutgers needs, wants to win and wants to, you know, have some success in the Big Ten, I, I really want to see some Sean Gleason specials come out. And, you know, we have Johnny Langan, um, you know, our version of Taysom Hill, who just – Literally do everything. We, he was, we lined up a lot at tight end on Saturday. I was kind of disappointed he didn't come in too much on the third and ones or when we just needed a couple yards up the middle. But when you have guys like Johnny Langan who plays such a unique role that no team, no other team really has a guy like Johnny Langan who could do it all, um, I think that's a huge key to success for Rutgers this year. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I think another big part of it we mentioned it before is is Bo Melton and Raekwon O'Neal coming back. You know, Bo Melton is unquestionably the the top receiver on this yeah. team. Aaron Cruikshank is is great. You know, he's a versatile guy, but the wide receiver room is led by Tyquan Underwood and Bo Melton. Um, and Bo Melton is big a big part of this team. He's Noah Vedrill's favorite target, and I think that when he comes back, the offense will see a a noticeable improvement. Um, and I also think Raekwon O'Neal is big. You know, when you have a right-handed quarterback, you know, the left tackle in the NFL is the guy who gets paid the most on the offensive line. He's the most important guy. He's the guy who's protecting the quarterback's blind spot. And we saw against Michigan State, you know, the defensive line had pretty much free reign. You know, even when Noah Vedrill was completing passes, he was running out of the pocket. He was scrambling to the corner. So getting O'Neal back is, is going to be huge as well. Um and, I mean, obviously, we have to wait and see the status of Vedral because I haven't heard anything from the program yet. And, you know, he might have come out because the game was over, but he also was injured. Like, we all saw him get injured. So we have to see if he's going to come back because as much as I love Cole Schneider and Evan Simon and as much as I have been disappointed with the play of Noah this year, he is a far better option than either of them. And if we don't have him it's it's going to be an issue to, to to find offensive production this season you know we we're already having that issue so it's going to become even more of an issue with with a guy like Cole or Evan in there even though I love them they're program guys you know no disrespect I love Cole Schneider yeah of course I mean they suit up for every game they dress for every game and when the time comes they get thrown in there but I think even putting skill aside Noah Vedral has been our quarterback all of last season and you know so far this season in our first six games so he already has the experience. He's, you know, he has that connection with his receivers and his O line. And throwing in a different guy just to see what happens, maybe we could drum up a win. It just doesn't really make sense. I mean, Noah Vedral is tough. We've seen him come back from injury. We remember that injury against Maryland last year. You know, he came right back from that. You know, after that, um, that was that dirty, dirty play against Maryland. But he was, oh, yeah. he, you know, he he dressed this year like it was like it never happened. So Noah Vedral's tough. We see him in run. He's not afraid to take contact. Um, I really liked his his running game on Saturday. He was able to get out of the pocket and move around a little bit, which was nice, able to get a lot of yards upfield. But, I mean, Noah Vedrill's our guy. He's been our guy He's for the last, you know, dozen games, and I'm I'm completely fine with that. He The longer the season goes, he's been showing that he has more of a deep ball. Um, you know, we talked about that overthrow to Aaron Cruikshank, but he was able to get the ball downfield and just overthrew his receiver. And, of course, you know, he wanted to be right in, right in the breadbasket for Aaron Cruikshank, but... He's starting to throw the ball a little bit downfield. That's something that we did not see at all. Even when Rutgers was doing well in the non-conference games, there was just a lot of screen passes, a lot of run plays. So I'm interested to see how much Noah Vedrill could develop his arm just a little bit. And, you know, he's experienced. This is his third college. He's he's on the older side. But if he could start throwing the ball deep a little bit, surprise him, surprise the other team with a couple deep shots, that's something that could put Rutgers on top too. And I also I really, really like the way that We've developed somewhat of a running back rotation. We saw not, we didn't see too much of Kyle Manungai. We saw him on a lot of third downs on Saturday. But I'm really liking Aaron Young being the number two to Isaiah Pacheco. They have a different style of play. Pacheco kind of runs towards the outside, while Aaron Young and Kyle Manungai just kind of take it right up the middle. Um, but I, I really like I like how the running backs are developing now, especially you know with Raekwon O'Neal such an asset on the O line, him being out of the game. He's still the, the running backs are still putting up some decent numbers. So I um, just want to let you guys know, I just got a text from a football re- beat writer for the Daily Targum and contributor for On the Banks, Jack Bashaw, who has been you know featured on Crew a few times. Um, so Bo Melton, or excuse me, not Bo Melton, Noah Vedral and uh, Christian Izian, who I forgot, honestly got injured. It's been a horrible weekend of injuries for me. We could talk about the NFL later, but... <laughs> Yeah, um, Izian and Vedral are confirmed to play on Saturday. Um, Melton, Raekwon O'Neal, and Tyreek Maddox-Williams are uh, at this point questionable. So just wanted to give you that update. Thanks, Jack, for the text. I appreciate you keeping me on my toes and keeping me sharp during the show. I mean, that's good news. And, yeah, shout out to Jack for that because that, that's relieving. Um, obviously, we want to see all those guys back. Those are all starters. Those are all guys that have such – an impact on this team. And the Rutgers is already down in O alignment. Reggie Sutton had a knee had a season ending knee injury a couple weeks ago. Didn't yep. play against you know, he he played all the non conference games and didn't play against Michigan and he won't play the rest of the season. So the O line is already down. 
And it's not like Rutgers has, you know, their future quarterback under center right now. He's still on the sidelines, and that's fine. But it's going to be interesting to see how this team fills in those gaps. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the O-line adjusts to not having Raekwon O'Neal, not having Reggie Sutton. And one thing that from the O-line that's kind of frustrated me for a, a couple weeks now is is the penalties. And during non-conference play, Rutgers is one of the least penalized teams in all of college football. And then against Michigan, they just took some penalties that absolutely killed drives. And I understand if it was your first Big Ten game that it's a lot to adjust to. But Rutgers needs to stop taking penalties. They took a couple bad ones on Saturday. Didn't get some calls going their way, but that's the way that it is. But I think if Rutgers plays the way that they do and just plays that gritty style of football and continues to move the ball downfield without taking a significant amount of penalties, they'll be in a really, really good place for their next couple of Big Ten games. Yeah, you know, there was um, a few drives on Michigan State. Uh, one of the last drives that Rutgers, you know, really had a chance to maybe score on and come back, they had a holding on their first, I think, two plays. And you can't do that against, you know, teams in the Big Ten. You really can't because if you're going to start at first and 20, they have a good enough defense where you can get 10, 12 yards in three plays, but then you're punting. And I think we all mm-hmm. love seeing Adam Korsak on the field, but seeing him every drive because of a penalty is just – it's a recipe for disaster for the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, I mean, as much as we love Adam Korsak, you never want to know your punter's name really well. And we do really love well. Adam Korsak. Like, oh, like, he needs to go to the league. I mean, he's I, got everything. He's a great punter. He's Australian. He's got the accent. What is there not to love about Adam Korsak? Exactly. What else could you ask for? I mean, I, I bought his jersey a couple years ago, and he's great. I mean, watching him, when he goes out there, he's such a unique style of punting, you know, taking from his Australian influence. But, and he's so, I mean, we saw it against Michigan State. He would just routinely pinning them down within the 10 just over and over and over again but then you could pin them down in the 10 as much as you want but then they're just gonna throw a 60-yard bomb to Jalen Naylor and now we're down another seven points so you know there's somewhat of an issue when you know your team's punter really really well and there's fan accounts for him on Instagram (laughs) as much as we love him but I'm with you Dylan I mean we can't you can't punt every play every drive you need to have something going you know either you know kick a field goal bring in Ambrosio the place kicker or the field goal kicker for just every so often, just try to get something going, some points on the board. For sure. Like you said, we'd love to see him out there, but punting almost every drive, seeing him out there that much is just crazy that they couldn't get any points. They had more possession in the game. I believe it was about 30 minutes for Rutgers and 29 for Michigan State in that game. Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess it sort of makes sense based on the up and down style that that game took like wasn't like one team was in total domination for that long but definitely plenty to look forward to for the Rutgers football season but that's going to take us to our first break here on the Welcome back to the Monday Crew. Myself, Gideon Fox, joined along by producer Christian Vasquez and Dylan McCoy over in Studio A, bringing you our favorite and least favorite segment of the crew, Locks of the Night. So, guys, plenty. You know, we're, at, we're just after a Sunday with a lot of weird football games. Um, how'd you guys do in your gambling this weekend? And this was all for hypothetical monopoly money, may I add. Uh, so I'm in a I'm in a pool every week. Uh, one of my one of my brothers, his his dad runs it. Um. And I'm in a pool. I think I went like six and six in the NFL this week on the spread. It was not a great week, you know. I I I don't. I looked at the picks at like 105, and I was like, yeah, this is not gonna be good. And it wasn't. It wasn't at all. Um, so tough week for me. Uh, I didn't even bet on college football this week, which was good because I would have gotten pretty much every game wrong. I think. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to be back here, and you know, hopefully it's a better week. For my for my wallet, of course, my hypothetical wallet. Hypothetical. <laughs> I don't bet because I would I would go absolutely insane <laughs> if I was losing money or close or at the end of games if I lost by like a yard or something like that. I'd be going crazy. But it was a crazy week, and I imagine some of my friends who did they were having struggles this weekend. Giddy, are you a are you are you a big better? You know, outside of the show, of course. Yeah, so, I mean, not not huge. I kind of, 
I don't like throwing around my money that much, but of course, of this course. week um, I pretty much only made enough to buy me a slice of pizza somewhere on Easton. Um, <laughs> thanks to the Bills, because I'm completely done putting money on the Chiefs. They lost me plenty of money a couple weeks ago against the Chargers. I bet on the Bills before the game. I live bet on the Bills. I was just, I'm so done with, with Patrick Mahomes and this season. I mean, he's still, I have him in plenty of fantasy football leagues, but I just don't understand what's happening to the Chiefs right now. And we could get more into football um you know down the road but have you guys started looking at different lines for tonight some playoff baseball already happened today plenty of playoff baseball later yes um so i i guess i'll go first uh my lock tonight is gonna be unfortunately i don't really want to take them like my heart does not want them to win but my brain says they will um Dodgers are at home tonight against the Giants. I believe it is game three or game four of this series. Um, the Dodgers at home. Max Scherzer starting. You know, there's not much more I need to say. Uh, if you want to take them on the run line, they're plus 105 at minus one and a half. They're minus 210 on the money line. But, yeah, the Dodgers have one of the best pitchers in baseball. They have one of the best lineups in baseball. And the Giants also have one of the best lineups in baseball. But Max Scherzer in October is uh, scary. And he's a scary man, so he gets even scarier in October. So I, I like the Dodgers tonight. As much as I want the Giants to win the World Series, I'm picking the Dodgers. I like that one. I think Max Scherzer, you know, now it's it's a 1-1 series. Uh, I think that's pl- there's plenty of value in that. I'm in, Right now I'm, I'm looking towards football. Um, right now we have the Ravens against the Colts tonight for Monday Night Football. I think the under is going to hit tonight. I think it's going to be a close game. I haven't really thought too much about betting on the spread or betting against the spread, but I think the under is going to hit tonight. Um, the Colts just not really getting anything going on offense, and now their O-line is down Quinton Nelson, and that, that's going to require Carson Wentz to drop back and throw a lot of passes. So if he could find guys like Michael Pittman, then maybe they could find some success, but with the over-under of being 47, I'm going to take the under at minus 115. Okay, I like that. Since I'm not on a show until Friday... I'm going to hit us with the Thursday night football game. Tampa Bay at Philadelphia. Tom Brady just looks like he's 15 years younger than he is. Somehow, some way, he's just immortal, it seems. He's going to be playing in the NFL for so long. He maybe even see his kid play in the NFL. Who knows? But he threw five touchdowns last game. They're 4-1, and one, first in the NFC South. There's no way Philadelphia is beating them. Have can't see the spread right now. Not sure what it is, but just take the lock on Tampa Bay. And Dylan, are you taking any player props tonight? Maybe gonna parlay a couple Ooh. props together. You Ooh. you know you know me so well, Gideon. You know me so well. Um, so I was looking at anytime touchdown score, and I gotta say, I like this bet, but the value is kind of terrible when you're uh when you're kind of banking on someone to score. But in terms of value. I really like Sammy Watkins at 230, um, and I also like Michael Pittman Jr. at 240. You know, before that, you have the obvious ones, Lamar, Jonathan Taylor, Latavius Murray, Marquise Brown. But if you're going for specifically value, I think Watkins or Pittman uh, would be due to score. You know, they're, they're definitely heavy rushing teams, and I think their defenses are going to be keying into that. So I think that the pass will be open um, for either one of them, and they'll get a passing touchdown. So... Yeah, I like I like Watkins or Pittman to score tonight. And if they both score and you put that in a parlay, I mean, you could always send me $5 as a thank you <laughs> for, for the value, of course. But I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying it'd be nice. It's not, you're not asking for too much. I mean, you could probably get pretty good odds on that two-leg parlay. That's like that's like enough for one of those uh, Easton pizza, pizza slices you were talking about before getting in. Yeah, exactly. Maybe some garlic knots too. Ooh. Um, But right now I'm looking at – I want to bet on Lamar Jackson. I'm trying to figure out if I should go on com- uh, on passing attempts or completions. Um, right now, his, his total completion is 17 and a half. I might skip out on that to bet the over on 26 and a half passing attempts. I think there are so many receiving options for the Ravens right now, and there are pretty much no running options besides for Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. Even if Rashad Bateman doesn't end up suiting up tonight, there's still plenty of receivers that Lamar Jackson could throw to. And if he does end up suiting up, then he's going to be looking for him all night. Yeah, you know, it's a game where I have... I'm kind of, like, scared to bet on that game because I have no idea what's going to happen. Because Indy, Indianapolis does have a good defense, but 
I, I I'm like if their defense holds the Ravens, then you know it's possible that it's like a field goal, like nine to six game. Because I don't really trust the Colts offense whatsoever, other than Jonathan Taylor. I I I don't trust Carson Wentz for many reasons. Not one, not being that he played for the Eagles. That's not why. It's not a bias <laughs> thing. I just don't trust him as a quarterback. Um, so yeah, I think it could be an extremely low scoring game, which why it's which is why I think it might be kind of awful to bet on. But I mean, we'll see, we'll see. We got about two and a half hours. We got about two hours before that game starts, so we'll see. Yeah, it should be. I mean, I'm excited for that game because I really like the Ravens' offense. Uh, I have plenty of those players on my fantasy teams. Obviously, now it doesn't really matter, but Gus Edwards, a Rutgers product, had was supposed to have such a prominent role in that backfield. Um, I was really excited for the way J.K. Dobbins is going to adjust to that backfield with the departure of Mark Ingram. It's kind of seen the way that he would adjust to that, but I just I think Lamar Jackson plays such a unique style of quarterback. Him and Kyler Murray are just so much fun to watch. And when now when Lamar Jackson could run the ball or just pass it to one of his four talented receivers in front of him, I think that that just provides for such an exciting game. And I also do like Jonathan Taylor, just like you, Dylan. But without Quinton Nelson, that O line's value goes way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I would I would absolutely have to agree. But um I think with that we're going to go to a commercial break. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to spend 15 minutes crying about the Giants after we come back. This is your WRSU sports update. This is Christian Vasquez. In recent Rutgers sports news, the, the football team fell to number 11th ranked Michigan State at home on Saturday 31-13. to Noah Vedra was 15-30 for 30 with 208 yards, and Aaron Kirkshank rushed for the sole touchdown for the Scarlet Knights. Next game, we will see Rutgers traveling to Northwestern to face the Wildcats at 12 p.m. on Big Ten Network. Rutgers women's soccer played the Iowa Hawkeyes at Yerkak Field. Becky Fuchel scored a penalty kick goal in the 75th minute to inevitably get the 1-0 victory. Women's soccer now boasts a record of 11-2, and now ranked as the fifth best team in the nation and first in the Big Ten. The Scarlet Knights traveled to College Park to face the Maryland Terrapins at 7 p.m. In the NFL this past weekend, the New York Giants fell to the Dallas Cowboys in Arlington 44-20. Mike Glennon came into the game to replace the injured Daniel Jones and threw for 196 yards and one touchdown. The Giants will face the Rams at home next week at 1 p.m. The New York Jets fell to Atlanta Falcons in the first game at Tottenham Hot. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Zach Wilson threw for 192 yards and Michael Carter rushed for 38 yards and one touchdown. The Jets will head to Foxborough to face the New England Patriots at 1 p.m. next week. For WRSU Sports, this is Christian Vasquez. Welcome back to the last part of Hour 1 here on the Monday edition of the WRSU crew. Christian Vasquez, Dylan McCoy, alongside myself, Gideon Fox. Plenty to talk about here. Plenty, very long emotional weekend. I know we all have stuff we want to talk about, but we're going to spin our prize wheel to figure out who's going to lead this segment. Dylan McCoy, that is you. So fire away, Dylan. Uh, it really feels like a prize to uh, get to talk about the the firestorm that is the New York Giants. But uh, I think I think this week is is different because I don't come into this week angry or anything. I'm not angry with with what happened on Sunday. We lost to Dallas. I mean, I think that was destined to happen when Daniel Jones and Saquon went out. But I'm just it's it's more of just a disappointing thing, and I just don't understand because. You know, uh, we, we've had injuries going into this game. Blake Martinez out for the season. We had Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both inactive. And then we see Kenny Galladay was hurt for a point of time. He came back in, but Kenny Galladay got hurt for a point of time. 
Daniel Jones on one of the most baffling play calls I've ever seen. Uh, Jason Garrett, the man is six foot six, and we're at the one yard line. Uh, wh- why are we? Why are we not running up the middle? You know, I, why does he have to run a bootleg and put himself in adverse danger? Um, and for Saquon, you know, just another freak injury. It seems like his generational talent is just getting absolutely ruined by injuries, which is which is such a sad thing to see. You know, he had a lot of high hopes. I know. People can say, you know, you don't take a running back at number two, which I agree with, but it, it it's just really tough to see the way that his career is kind of going in the early part of it. And I, I, I don't know where this team goes from here because I don't see Saquon coming back next week. I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to come back next week. Did you guys see... Him walking back. Oh yeah. Oh, that was stumbling. I mean, that was awful. Couldn't even stand. That was like was that was scary. like scary. Yeah, that, that was it. Really scared good. me. Like I hope he's like okay. Like he's he's shown a lot of like promise this year. He he literally leads the league in interception rate. Like he's thrown the the least amount of interceptions on the percent of his passes this year, which is such a huge change from having like fifty turnovers in his first two seasons. But ultimately, I I think I think that those injuries are kind of just the death nail for for the team this year i think at one and four it's time to start thinking about you know what we're gonna do in the off season and i it's just such a i'm not even like i'm not even angry like i'm just i'm just so disappointed because i feel like after new orleans this team had a lot of like potential maybe maybe not potential to like make the playoffs or anything but just potential to be like kind of relevant maybe win six seven games but I I really don't even know at this point. Like it is just being a New York sports fan is just such a, such an emotional drainer. Like I've never been more emotional than I was yesterday at like watching a professional football game. It 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 sucked the life out of me, and it makes me feel like that there's just no hope anymore. Yeah, don't I agree with it? I think we've all watched plenty of sports games that make you want to yell at the TV. We've all watched Rutgers football, and it's frustrating. You could be mad, and you know, before Shiano was here, you could get mad at the coaches. You could get mad at play calling. You could get mad at Art Sikowski, who's supposed to be the future of our team, being put in a bad system, for example. You know, I get, I've, I've found myself yelling at the TV watching Devils games for a lot of the last couple of years. But yesterday in the Giants game, like Dylan, I'm with you. It was just every, just every, every play, someone else, some other starter, notable starter, was getting hurt. Kenny Galladay, Daniel Jones, Kadarius Tony's been being bothered by a lower leg injury, was eventually ejected. And it's just play after play after play. And it's not like Saquon's injury, he didn't, you know, he didn't stub it, he didn't get turf toe. We saw how quickly his ankle blew up. And we didn't see Daniel Jones just take a little bit too rough of a hit. We saw him stumble off the field and the, had to be helped off. Carted off. Carted off, exactly. And you see Saquon carted off too because of how quickly his ankle blew up. And it's just like, what can we do at this point? We're going to have Mike Lennon throwing to not Kenny Galladay anymore to a somewhat injured and hopefully not suspended Kadarius Tony. I don't, I don't I haven't seen anything about that. He's going to face any disciplinary action for that, but it, we still have Kyle Rudolph, I guess, but it's just, I'm with you. It's just, it's disappointing. It's not what you, ex- I mean, maybe it's what you expected at some point in the season, but it's not what you expected after beating New Orleans in New Orleans. I did not expect to lose to the Dallas Cowboys by four scores. And I get that the Dallas Cowboys are up there in the, you know, the top two team in the division right now with with the Washington football team, but it's not I didn't expect to lose by four scores to them. And now it looks like Galladay is probably not going to play next week against the Rams. That's a huge that's another huge loss. So we'll have to see what happens with that. I mean, if we don't have Daniel Jones while we'll Mike Glennon under center. We'll, I mean, we you know we don't even have Darius Slayton now. Slayton's able to get up field so fast and gets open. It's just, what do we have? What are the options now? We This whole year and this whole last offseason, even on crew, we talked about it every time we brought up the Giants. We're giving Daniel Jones all the weapons he needs. We said there's going to be a healthy Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Tony, or we said hopefully uh, someone we draft that end up being Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, all those players who are now are injured. It's like... This is not the Giants team we've been talking about for the last couple of months. Yeah, and, and you know, getting, I don't know if you felt it, but I felt like the Saints game was a fundamental change in our season, you know. We, we had a big comeback. It was a big game for the Saints. It was their first game in the Dome after Hurricane Ida, you know. 
I went into that game thinking the Giants were going to get blown out. And, you know, they they were losing, but they did everything they could. They came back. They had a big victory. Dan, Danny set a career high in yards. Saquon looked like he was back to the player he once was. He had two big touchdowns. He scored the game-winning touchdown. And I really thought that we had a chance against Dallas. And it was it was a good game at first, you know. Uh, a huge pick from Lorenzo Carter on the first drive. And then I think Reggie Raglan recovered a fumble um, from a bad snap. And there was just a lot of things going right, you know, and, and Dallas wasn't putting the game out of, out of uh, they weren't putting the game out of reach yet. The the Giants were in that game until those injuries happened. And if we beat Dallas, you know, I think the season was back on, you know, it was, it was like, it was like, all right, we're two and three. We just beat the best team in the division. We have a chance to actually do something and make an impact, but one and four with, with, uh, with, I, and I think Saquon's going to be out for a couple weeks. And I also think Daniel Jones might be out for a couple weeks. That's one of the worst reactions I've ever seen to a concussion on the field. Like, that was. Yeah, in a while, at least. I was legitimately like, like, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I usually scream at, like, the TV, like, like when I'm watching a Giants game. I didn't even scream. I was just, like, like, scared. I was like, I just want play my favorite players to like stay on the field and be healthy like the only good part of that game was Kadarius Tony Kadarius Tony looked incredible he he looked like he he looked like he has the potential to be a guy that very few people in this league can cover and that was very exciting but 10 receptions 189 yards that speaks for itself in your first game quarterback as well yeah he broke uh he broke Odell's uh rookie receiving record uh for receiving yards in a game by a giant which was very exciting he would have went over 200 if he didn't decide to uh punch someone with a helmet I never, I never understood that. Like, what, 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 what is the deal with? That's it? probably gonna hurt you more. Why would you try to punch someone <laughs> with a helmet on? It happens in every, co- it happens in every football fight too. And I, and I've never, never gotten the reasoning behind it. Yeah, don't, just but. don't even try. Yeah, but I mean, going back to Daniel Jones for a sec, you, you know, he was carted off the field. That's not something you always see for a concussion. Usually, you know, if you put a player in concussion protocol, you get them off the field as quick as you can and run whatever evaluations you have to run, but. Daniel Jones was staggering around right when he got hit on the goal line. I just don't – I don't know what to – I mean, first of all, I hope he's okay because that's – you know, say what you want to say. He's a person at the end of the day, and that is just something scary. You don't want to see it happen to anybody. Um, but looking around the internet today, I remember Judge was saying he doesn't think that Kadarius Tony's injury um, is serious in terms of season-ending stuff, um, which is important to know because – I really want to see Kadarius Tony develop into something that he could be, regardless of who's throwing him the ball. You know, whether it's Mike Lennon, someone the Giants pick up, someone the Giants draft. You know, Kadarius Tony is hopefully going to be on the Giants for the long haul. He is so explosive. He's so quick. The Florida, the University of Florida product in his rookie year has been. He looked so good yesterday, and I I want him to develop. I think that's one thing I'm concerned about a lot with the Daniel Jones injury. And first and foremost. I hope Daniel Jones recovers and is able to be back on the football field at some point soon once he's fully recovered. But I, I just want Kadarius Tony to, to be able to develop and be able to catch patches from someone who could put the ball right in his hands or, or make it, you know, give him a chance. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish, I, I wish I just had more, like, more just like things to say. But I, I just, I just like, I'm just dumbfounded. Like, I don't know if it's like, I don't know why. Like this season has just been like cursed for the Giants, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate. The only and there's not really any good thing, but the only good thing is we could very possibly have two top ten picks if Chicago continues to struggle. We'll, we'll see. I mean, did they did they end up beating Las Vegas yesterday? They did, did beat they? Las Vegas yesterday. Wow, yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed, honestly. Yeah, I think so. Fields actually looked better than he has in any game yesterday. Yeah, yeah he threw a touchdown yesterday. No, I'm I, a, yeah, I believe so. It was sad too. They play the Packers next. It week, was though. sad too because yesterday was such an interesting day of football, and I it got was. like literally the worst game out of all of it. Like we had, we well Christian, you know, we had Packers Bengals <laughs> where there was like six missed field goals in the last believe, two minutes in overtime. What like, did Mason Crosby miss three, and then he hit his game winner? I was surprised when he missed one, dude. It was on the <laughs> twenty-seven, like streak, and he's super accurate, anyways, for years. And you know, he hit the field goal against the San Fran. What? What was that? A week ago? Two weeks ago? I think that was two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. So I was like, oh, this is 
light work. He misses. Then their kicker misses. Thought he made the kick. And then Crosby keeps missing and missing. I was like, what is going on? Because <laughs> I, I was just taking... When I saw them go for their field goal, I was like, well, I've already accepted the loss. I was like, this kid's going to make it. He's already done it like two weeks out of their like three wins or whatever. And he misses again. I was like, what is going on today in this game? What's in the air? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I mean, we had other great uh, Chargers Browns as one of the best oh, regular wow. season games I've seen in a long, really long good. time. Six touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's insane. Justin Herbert looked like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, which he's I would say great. that he is. Oh my yeah, he was. I mean, that game was also a shootout. You know, mentioned those touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but I'm Baker Mayfield kept up with him, and I think Justin Herbert. I think a lot, a lot of people right now are excited by Justin Herbert. He's still someone new to the league, and he's just been yeah second year. Yeah, exactly. He's been rising to the top, and I I don't think it's time to discredit Baker Mayfield yet. I think he he uh, held on, <laughs> he held on tight. I mean, they still he, lost. He, he, he definitely three and two he Browns definitely team. did, but he's just so he came out in his first season, and he was the best rookie quarterback by statistics at the time that we had ever seen. Justin Herbert has since broken his records, but um, you know, I, I just think that. I just think that Baker is being carried by his running game. He also has one of the best wide receiver cores in the league, and I think that's really helping him out a lot. I think if he was on a different team, I don't think he would be as good as he is now, which and is he has typically average. And, yes, he also does have a great defense to work with, as it is 7 p.m., so you are listening to WRSU-FM New Brunswick, so we don't have to go to break. Um, love that. But, yeah, you know, it was just – can we can we can we can we pivot and talk about how crazy this weekend was for football? Mm-hmm. The college football slate was incredible this weekend. We had the Red River rivalry, which Texas not back. They never will be back. They never were back. They were never here in the first place. I cannot believe they lost that game. They're up 17 with I think like eight minutes left. They lose. Kennedy Brooks scores a game-winning touchdown at the end of the game. At the same time, we had Arkansas Ole Miss, which ended 52-51. to Absolutely incredible game. Matt Coral got kicked in the face, and that wasn't even the story of the game. Um, <laughs> did you did you see that video? I did not see that video. Oh, he was running into the end zone, and I think someone was trying to like. I think the line of scrimmage was at like the two, so they were trying to defend like a little like pass he was going to throw in the end zone, and he just ran it. So they ended up kicking him in the face as he scored a touchdown. <laughs> which is, Interesting, and I mean, then we had at night we had Alabama lose to Texas A and M. Waiting for you to mention that game, which that, I, I don't even know. Nick Saban, I mean, I couldn't even imagine what he said to his play. It must be nice to go to a school like for people to go to Alabama. It must be nice to go to a school where one loss during a college football season is like the end of the world. Whereas Rutgers, you know, we want to we want to win six games, which means we would be fine with losing six yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, so. loss for Alabama means they fall down. To what are they fifth or sixth right now? And the they're AP probably poll, they fell fifth. from one to. They're still top ten. Yeah, I they're mean. fifth. They're fifth. Yeah, it, I mean that's. <laughs> it must be annoying for for uh, for for Saban because like if he doesn't win every game every year, it's it's disappointing. Which, <laughs> which is which is which is such a high level of like which is such a high like expectation. Like you can't always like do it every year. I mean, in the in the first half of the twenty tens, he pretty much did do it every year. He had. Um, incredible teams, but yeah, I mean, we'll have to see if they win the SEC, they can get back into it. But we'll have to see when they play Georgia. That will be a game That'll of the year good. candidate. I'm so likely. excited for that one. I think Georgia, I, Georgia, Kentucky this year or this week is going to be another good game. Yeah, I'm really Kentucky 11th mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah, look, who would look, believe that at the beginning of this season? So I have to say, when it comes to you know the big two college sports between college football and college basketball, a lot of people tend to favorite college basketball because anything could happen. I mean, we see unranked teams upset number one teams left and right. I think that's what makes college basketball and March Madness so exciting. But this college football season, we've seen schools like Cincinnati, Kentucky, breaking, I mean, Cincinnati's top five right now. Okay, two, aren't they number two uh, two or three? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's that's so exciting. And yeah, to that's have, wild. To have Kentucky, Georgia be a game that people are talking about on Monday you know, people are, after Georgia's game yesterday or on Saturday, excuse me, people are already talking about Georgia's next game, which is against Kentucky, and they were talking about it not because it's going to be a blowout. They were talking about it because it's going to be a good game that I don't think a lot of people expected to be a good game. So I'm 
very, very excited to see what's going to happen with the college football playoff. You know, only four teams involved, but it could be a very unfamiliar four teams. Or yeah, at least two of them could be. We had a uh, we had for the first time in the seven year history of the uh, college football playoff a group of five team in the top four. Cincinnati at number four. We have Iowa. At, is Iowa three or two? Iowa's two. Iowa's two. They deserve to be two. I mean, they beat a really, really good Penn State team. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is not to discredit Penn State, as much as I hate to say it, and it hurts to say it. <laughs> Penn State lost on the road to Iowa. That's not that, you know, that's that's okay. You're allowed to do that when you're Penn State, and you have, you're going to come back home and just keep winning out. I mean, Penn State has the potential to maybe win out the rest of their games. I haven't done a full look at their schedule yet. But Penn State looks great. We have plenty of Big Ten teams. We have, like, I forgot the exact amount of years, but the most Big Ten teams in the AP Top 25 in in recent history. And I think it's it's exciting now because usually, you know, we think about football, you think of the SEC. But now if the Big Ten is, has a number two team, plenty more ranked teams, it's exciting. This is really, really exciting stuff. And you know, we talked a little bit before about how crazy NFL kicking was yesterday. But Texas A&M 2-1 on a kick. I don't know if you guys saw the video of the kicker's family from Texas A&M, I but you that. could you could feel the tension. That was a cool video. That was, you know, that was one of those things where you watch it and you're like, man, this is why I watch college football. I just read Texas A&M got fined a hundred thousand dollars by the SEC for fans storming the field after the game. Worth it. Worth yeah, it. Worth a hundred. Worth man. it. Come on, if you beat Alabama, yeah, I want to storm the field. They were like, oh no. You beat Alabama. Hundred thousand dollars to beat Alabama. That's a bargain at any price. That's yeah, a bargain. Sure. Alabama pays teams like a million dollars to beat them. They pay Mercer Community College every year to beat them. So I mean, <laughs> they play like uh, Alabama plays in the SEC, and like that means something. But their out of conference schedule is always such a joke. It's yeah. always a joke. Okay. They played Mercer again this year, right? Yeah, right. They <laughs> play them every Mercer single Bears. season. The only thing that Mercer has ever done is beat Duke one time in the tournament, and that was it. In the in the basketball tournament. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of anyone coming from Mercer into the NFL. I've never even heard of that school before and you mentioned it. And they, they somehow qualify to play the powerhouse best team in the nation every nope. year. It's it like, what's ba- that? Boggles my mind. It's that random school that played um, IMG Academy. Oh, <laughs> Bishop Sycamore. Bishop Sycamore. A school that's not a school. Yeah. Oh, man, that was a story. Jeez, is there is there is there a Bishop Sycamore in in college football this year? Would that be the loser of uh, UMass UConn? Is that oh. is that Bishop Sycamore? <laughs> did you guys watch that? The, I did. Uh, the greatest of all games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I couldn't invest time into watching that game. I watched some highlights afterwards. Um, I mean, look, good for UMass. They won a game. Um, I know UConn's been going through it right now, but they're a basketball school, and UMass is a hockey school, and. In those sports, like football is just not their sport. And that that's totally fine because each school has a sport where they are so unbelievably good and they produce so much professional talent that even if you're not you're not gonna win your football games, it's okay because that's not what people in, in yeah. at UMass care about, and it's not what people in UConn care about. You in UConn you care about basketball and UMass Women's you care about basketball. Hockey. Yeah, exp- I mean yeah, producing exactly. the best players in the world. Exactly. I mean UConn is a premier women's basketball school, so we'll see. You know, good for you know, kind of crazy that the, those the way that the teams lined up yesterday. But good for UMass for good for the Minutemen. They deserve it. The Minutemen. It's a kind of that's a cool name. Yeah. I like that. A little historical. <laughs> I like that a lot. But looking at the AP Top Twenty Five, we talked a lot about how how the Big Ten rings, and we have six and zero Iowa, number two, right behind Georgia, and then the group of five schools, Cincinnati. Ohio State six, Penn State is seven, then Michigan State or Michigan, excuse me, at eight. Michigan State at ten. They moved up one spot. So we have, I mean, five Big Ten schools, all on the top of the AP twenty five. That's, I mean, that's that. That means they're better than or ranked higher than Florida, Texas A and M, Notre Dame, Mississippi. Those are schools that we're used to hearing about every year, just dominating the college football scene. But now it's things are changing. It's exciting. I think it could be exciting to see Iowa potentially make the Big Ten, or excuse me, the college football playoff. It would be very fun to have a Big Ten team go all the way. Or just new teams in general. seems like it's always 
three out of the four, maybe a four slips in. That well, well, yeah, we, any school but Ohio State. We know, please. we know, we know. One of the two teams that is always in it isn't going to be in it anymore because yeah. Clemson already has. What is it? Have they lost three times now, or is it still just They're twice? Terrible. They're not in the AP top twenty-five, so yeah. And that's Auburn get, the uh, whole Auburn ACC is the ACC. Is the done. ACC is a dead conference now, at least for this. Well, year. give it, give it a month, and then we're not going to be saying once once basketball starts, we're not going to be saying ACC is a dead conference. Ah, that's very true. The, for football, though, I mean, hey, they've been in they've been in a couple of the last national championship games, which is more than the Big Ten can say. So <laughs> that that is true. That is very true. We had like a couple generational quarterbacks at the helm. <laughs> and Clemson. Yeah. Well, a couple college generational quarterbacks. Yeah, college generational quarterbacks. We'll see. I mean, we'll T- see how they I feel bad it. for T Law. He's just in the worst spot. Yeah, he's he in the be. worst spot. But he's trying to make the most of it, which is good. But I think with that, we're going to go to a commercial break. 